0: The kids are released, uh, preschool, kindergarten here, first through six. I think the older kids, are they going anywhere today? Are you sticking with us? That's good for you. So, <laughs> anyhow, it's kind of funny when I get up here, I there's just sort of, I don't know, I have just a little extra energy, so yeah, it's just great. It's just kind of how it works. So, anyhow, it's good to be here. Hey, Jesus commanded us to be, uh, make disciples. Everybody understand that? You've heard a message or two on that. But... We can't make disciples unless we are disciples. It's kind of like, and so I like to say, God is, Jesus has called us to be disciples who make disciples. Now, we've, we've rephrased that in a different way here at this church, experiencing God and reflecting Christ. And so we like to experience God and reflect Christ so that others experience God and reflect Christ. It makes sense? And so that's kind of our mission. And so we're in this short series of messages on our mission about this. And we picture this whole process of experiencing God and reflecting Christ as a trail or a path. It's a spiritual journey. And there's observable mileposts that we need to, uh, you know, reach or attain to regularly if we're to continue to experience God and reflect Christ and grow as Christians. And so we need to show up, you know, just show up. That's just a big thing for some of us, just show up. All right. And then we need to make friends. We need to get into the fellowship because there's no Christian growth. There's no experiencing God, reflecting Christ by ourselves. We connect. Then we get to base camp. We start learning. We get hungry. We start reading our Bibles. We start taking it in. And uh, today we're going to look at this part of our journey, which I call the Pilgrim's Path. And this is where we start making some serious decisions. And, uh, you know, we decide to follow Jesus. And we need to realize we need to bring him into every aspect of our life. And like I said in the very first sermon on the series, accepting Jesus is not about getting a ticket to heaven, okay? It's about a whole new life, orientation, and it's a lifelong deal. And it is a journey. It's a pilgrimage. And so this message, I'm really, I really didn't want to miss this one because this one is really core who i am and how i live as a christian and it goes back to when i was a new christian i was still in high school i'm not sure if it was junior or senior year and i hit i hit the pavement running when i was a christian i mean i was showing up to everything sunday morning sunday evening wednesday nights youth group there was a bible study i was there fellowship of christian athletes i mean if there was a prayer i was just i was just hitting it so i was showing up i was making friends i was in youth group i was connecting to church and uh, and i was insatiable when it came to learning at base i was at base camp in high school as a christian i was just sucking anything ever i could get my hands on and i just couldn't get enough i read my read the entire bible before i was out of high school i mean i was just like give it to me and i i don't take credit for that i think this holy spirit just created this hunger in me and so i wasn't i mean i was a screwed up young kid I've got journaling, which if you, I, I wouldn't want any of you to read it, because it was like insanely crazy stuff. And I was just, you know, I was an emotional mess most of the time, but I was just following Jesus, but I was hungry. And uh, and so in, I went to Canby Christian Church. That's where I be, got baptized. And I, I was in Cutsforth Thriftway. How many of you know Cutsforth Thriftway in Canby? Okay, and... And so Frank Cutsforth is a Christian. By the way, Frank has cancer throughout his body, and he's probably not, he's going to see Jesus really soon here. He's in hospice. And man, some of you know Frank, just an amazing Christian man. And this is an impact he had on my life. In Cutsforth Thriftway, they always had these book racks, these revolving book racks. And I would go in there and see what he had, because it was all Christian stuff. And I would go see what I could find. And uh, and. And this one particular day, I found this book. And uh, this is 48 years ago, and it was this book, $1.50. <laughs> and the, paper, the pages, and, and, but it's not, it wasn't a new title. It just, for some reason, I just looked at it, and God says, you've got to read this. And so I picked it up and bought it, started reading it. I'm not sure how I read it, because it's, it's a 400-year-old work. Written by a guy named John Bunyan. Some of you know who it is now. It was written from out of a prison. And the name of the book is Pilgrim's Progress. Any of you recognize that? It's an amazing in fact, aside from the Bible, it's one of the most read books on the planet in terms of readership and it's just well known and it's an allegory a metaphorical symbolic journey of a man's journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city and john bunyan said the man's name was christian and it's about the journey about this journey and it's an amazing story if you haven't read this you really need to read it i recommend you get a more readable version because this is like old english and i don't know how i read it i really don't know and then there's really two parts there's christian's journey and he actually left his family to go follow Jesus. And it's about all these experiences, you know, to get to the social city. And then later, his wife, Christi- uh, Christiana, I think, yeah, and four boys, four sons, and a neighbor girl, okay, took off after him. And so there's two stories, and it's about their experience on the pilgrim's path and all the things that happened to them and all the ways they were waylaid and Satan tried to prevent them. But one thing, know, I don't know if I was on the pilgrim's path then, but after I read this, the idea of being on a pilgrimage to seek Jesus was etched in my spiritual psyche from that moment 48 years ago. And so when I got to, you know, I was mapping out this chart, pilgrim's path, that's just kind of where I'm at. So today I want to talk to you about the pilgrim's path, and I want to encourage you to join me on the pilgrim's path, because that's, that's what this is about. I want you to show up. I want you to make friends. I want you to learn. But I want all of you to get on the pilgrim's path with me today and become a pilgrim along with me. So when we enter the pilgrim's path, we start making some serious decisions about following Jesus, starting with the decision to actually follow Jesus. Okay, that's the beginning. But it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And uh, because... As we get on that path, we follow Jesus. He's going to lead us to make a lot of other serious decisions about different areas in our life. And usually we're not prepared for what he leads to make, to do with. And uh, Jesus describes it this way in Luke 9. He says, if anyone come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet l- or lose or forfeit his very self? And that's what it's about. See, there's many who show up. There's many who make friends in church. There's many who just keep showing up and learning and learning and learning, going to Bible studies, but they never put it into practice. They never get serious about letting Jesus do a change in their lives. So for this thing to really happen, we've got to get on the pilgrim's path. And truly following and you know jesus himself said in luke 6 uh, forty six, why do you call me lord lord and don't do what i say that was another verse that hit me way back then i thought okay i guess i've got to do what jesus says and i got to tell you it makes change makes a difference but many people make the initial decision to accept christ but then fail to grow because they never get on this path and so let me give you an overview today of some of the things that Jesus wants to deal with and change in our lives as we get on the pilgrim's path. And this is just an overview. It's just kind of like a catalog of areas we're going to be challenged at, okay? So the first one is this. First thing I'm going to struggle is my ideas of right and wrong. When I get on the pilgrim's path, I accept Jesus, I'm going to heaven, and I start following Jesus. Uh Uh-oh, Jesus has a different idea of what's right and wrong than I have. And I have to let Jesus transform my moral compass to his moral compass because my moral compass isn't his i'm always trying to fudge i'm always trying to find ways to do what i want to do or what society wants to do or whatever the desires of my heart or temptations or the advertising community or social media and all those influences are saying do this and jesus says no there's a right and wrong here and it's true it's always true it won't change i don't care how much society says you know There's no right and wrong. In fact, society doesn't have a right or wrong. In our society, everybody does right whatever's right in their own eyes with no consequences. I mean, everybody thinks I should be able to do whatever I want with no consequences. And God doesn't operate that way. I don't know if you've figured that out yet. But, you know, some of these commands are basic. Do not steal. All right. That's a no-no. But don't, don't some of us steal in different ways. Do not lie. Okay. But don't some of us... Why? You know, a really big one is don't have sex outside of marriage. Now, there is a standard that's totally gone out. Even in Christian circles. It's just, you know, the ideas of sexuality just out of hand. But the Bible's pretty clear about this. It just says that's one area where there's right or wrong. and uh, And so, but socially, it's okay to do whatever you want. But Jesus... <laughs> It takes it further, and this is what, this gets me. This is what Jesus says. He says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Are you kidding me? See, Jesus takes it from out here to where my behavior is. There's a right and wrong that happens inside my head and heart that I have to pay attention to. Is it right for me to take in images or listen to the language or just allow my mind you know through all the social media to be filled with all the sexual stuff man it's just we're inundated right or wrong what am i going to do and so immediately i'm faced with some choices on the pilgrim's path i know my choice is what are your choices going to be when he brings you to the question of what's right or wrong yeah you know he doesn't really mean it right do not murder there's a right or wrong okay and uh, I think most of us are probably, okay, I'm glad that one. I'll stick with that one. All right. But there's some parts in the world where that's totally, we're watching that on the news. Murder is nothing. And, uh, and we're, we become desensitized to it. But, uh, but again, Jesus takes it further. He says in Matthew 5, you've heard it said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So, man, he takes it further. He takes it inside, right or wrong, you know? And maybe I haven't murdered anybody physically, but have I murdered someone with my words? Have I murdered someone in my heart? Have I allowed anger toward someone to burn where I don't care, I don't love, I, I say things that hurt them? And we go, oh, man, this this being a disciple thing is hard. Right or wrong, Jesus is going to take us to a place in our life where we have to answer that. Am I going to follow his right or wrong or my right or wrong? Pilgrim's path, not easy, right? But life change happens when we accept his version of reality. Another place I have to be challenged by Jesus in the pilgrim's path is my values. When I walk on the pilgrim's path, I allow Jesus to change my values in, in terms of what's important and what's not important, really. Before Jesus, I may value money, or my social position, or my looks. I have a problem with that, and, uh, and and so, or my physical fitness. I definitely don't have a problem with that, and my career, or my career, my my phone. Can't get off my phone, or my social media, or my computer, or my family, or my kids. You know, anything else is more important than Jesus. When I follow Jesus, Jesus becomes number one, and eternal things become number one. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." And so on the pilgrim's path, I discover that my heart's on all these other things, and I slowly but surely on the path set my heart on things that are eternal and lasting and can never be taken away or destroyed. And that happens. That's why offering's a part of our worship, by the way. That's every Sunday. That's a time for us money, idol culture, to say, this is not important. This is. So God gives us an opportunity to trust him here's another place god will challenge us jesus will challenge us on the pilgrim's path our relationships on the pilgrim's path i start making decisions on how to bring christ into my relational interactions with you and everybody else but especially my marriage my kids my families jesus says i'm supposed to even love my enemies that's kind of crazy stuff but that's what he says he can't really mean that can he this is what The Bible says about our relationships in Colossians, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This is kind of hard. When you put it into practice, when you're having a, a you know, knockdown drag-out with your spouse over how to spend money or not spend money or whatever you're fighting about, or your, your kids are driving you nuts, or your parents are driving you nuts, or your neighbor is driving you nuts. These are really hard. Or in church, we drive each other nuts sometimes. You know, we, we're human. We've, we're just flawed. And Man, humility? Uh, really? How many of you think humility is easy? Kindness, sometimes it's hard to be kind. Gentleness, man, patience. Don't even start. You know, but these are things Jesus says, you're going to do this, Doug, with my help, of course. You're not going to do it on your own. But on the pilgrim's path, I say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to need your help, but I'm going to do this instead of what I normally do. Man, it's amazing how we can accept Christ, go to church, and fail to bring Christ into how we treat each other as Christians because the world sees that and they go, eh, they're just talk. But when we bring it in, we experience God. We reflect Christ. It's pretty cool, and uh, and so. But there's even a greater issue here in our relationships, and it's this. In Matthew 10, Jesus says, "Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me." See, on the pilgrim's path, I learn that I have to love Jesus more than anything else or anyone else, including my spouse, my kids, my parents jesus has to become number one so i don't love my wife number she's not number one in my life that sounds like sacrilege no jesus is number one and it has to be because i can't truly love her unless i love him and allow him to love me first and because i love him and he loves me first i am able to love her the way she needs to be loved because it says it right there we love because he first loved us Because he loves us, I can love you even when you're not loving me back. Isn't that great? That's the whole point. I don't need you to love me to love you. Jesus loves me. I learned that on the pilgrim's path, and it doesn't come easy. We usually have to learn it the hard way. Because I want you to love me. I'm going to make you love me. I'm going to make you care. Nah, it doesn't work that way. Pilgrim's path stuff. Wow. Our words. My words and how I talk, this is a big thing for me because I'm all about communication and process and uh, how we talk to each other, what we talk about. And uh, Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How many things do I say to others and to my loved ones that really aren't that beneficial to them? I just think they need to hear it. You know, I, I think I'm helping you. No, uh, are you really? You know, and this is a challenge. You know, so am I going to say hurtful things to each other? Am I going to talk negatively? Am I going to criticize? Am I going to shame? Am I going to judge? Am I going to backbite? Am I going to gossip? Am I going to talk about you behind your back and say negative things? See, these are all things we do instinctively. And on the pilgrim's path, Jesus says, no, we live a different kind of life in how we talk. And... We spend a lot of time talking, and Jesus wants to change it. Instead, Ephesians says, Speaking the truth in love, will in all things grow up unto him who is the head. This is key. This is so key. We need to learn to speak the truth in love. And you only learn that in the ups and downs and the challenges on the pilgrim's path. It has to become a commitment. I have to decide I'm going to follow Jesus here. Another area that Jesus will challenge us, on the pilgrim's path is our hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And every single one of us comes into this thing with baggage, right? Not a single one of us (laughs) doesn't have a few skeletons. Areas in our life that we struggle with, and it could be a hurt, trauma, a thing that we haven't gotten over from our past. It could be, you know, some kind of an emotional deal. You know, we struggle with depression or phobia or fear or anger issues or just an outright addiction, you know, all of us have, them. every single one of us have that. And so you don't need to be worried. If you've got an issue in your life, you're in a good place because you know, we're all here. I've, you know, I've always threatened, we're going to put a sign in the door, only sinners allowed. But this is what Jesus says about this. He says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. That means we're all slaves at some point in our life. Each one of us has a stronghold, an area that we struggle with. And on the pilgrim's path, Jesus is going to take us to that and say, okay, Doug, it's time to deal with this now. It it could be be outright alcoholism or drugs or cigarettes. I don't care. Whatever masters you, whatever's controlling you. It's not that some of this stuff is wrong. Food, we've got to eat. But I don't need to eat chocolate cake every day. And, you know, it's like some of us, we get attached to things and it becomes our comfort instead of God and it becomes our, it's, it's, it's an addiction. And we struggle with it. And on the pilgrim's path, you will take us, we have this, on Tuesday nights, we have believers in recovery and we follow a path, the beatitudes on how to bring Jesus into recovery from our hurts, hangups and habits. And so if you got some, come, you know, you, you'll hear us talk about our deal, our issues and how jesus walks us through that but it happens on the pilgrim's path okay paul talks about it this way he says therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so you obey its evil desires do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to god as those who've been been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness for sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. And the greatest thing about the Pilgrim's Path is that it's not legalist. It's not, you're not following the law. You are walking in the freedom and the grace of Jesus. That's the whole point of the Pilgrim's Path. He's teaching us to walk in his freedom, and we fight it every step of the way. Now, that said, as we walk the Pilgrim's Path, there's this person called Satan the devil, who is going to fight you and fight me every step of the way. When we decide to follow Jesus, he pitches a fit. And he takes us on. And so this is where, instead of giving in and turning to him, and even listening to him, we follow what James says. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. And you'll experience Jesus, Jesus, and then we begin to reflect him. On the pilgrim's path, we decide to invite Jesus into all these areas of our lives. And, of course, we allow—he's the one that helps us deal with those, and he helps us deal with the devil. You know, we don't resist the devil, then submit to Christ. We submit to God, then resist the devil. We bring God into the picture. And uh, on the pilgrim's path, we choose to be humble instead of proud. We choose to trust instead of fear. We choose to, I like the hope concept, we, we, we choose to hope in God's promises, okay? Instead of doubt, instead of, you know, giving in to all the news media fear-mongering, just how that is. And, uh, but it all begins with a decision to get on the pilgrim's path. Now, in closing here, let me just clarify what I mean by a decision. There's an old illustration that maybe some of you have heard. It's about five frogs who sat on a log, and one decided to jump off. And the question is asked, how many frogs are left on the log? Five, because deciding is not the same as jumping. Okay, so that's that's how the story goes. And the point is well taken, because many of us have good intentions. But when I talk about making a decision, I'm not talking about a decision where we just, yeah, maybe I'll do this someday. This is a commitment. This is a doing. I have decided to follow Jesus is followed through by obedience. Yeah. Faith and obedience. And so the decision on the, we can, and every day, it's not just a one, one and done deal. Every day we wake up and say, am I going to follow Jesus today? Am I going to bring into my life's experiences? And, uh, and see, that is what we're talking about. But the action will never happen until I honestly do make a decision to do it. And a Christian life is a life of action, but it starts with a decision to follow Jesus and then countless decisions and actions thereafter. And, uh, but the actions will not come until I make a decision. So my challenge to you today is make a decision. There's an old hymn that I couldn't help but remember. I have decided to follow Jesus. How many of you know I have followed Not Okay, I'm not going to try to sing that today. <laughs> Praise God, you know. But I'm gonna, we're going to look at the words here because this is what it says. I've decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Don't un- go with me. Okay, I still will follow though, none go with me. I still will follow though, none go with me. I still will follow no turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus my cross. I'll carry till I see Jesus my cross. I'll carry until I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Amen. On the pilgrim's path, we decide to follow Jesus. Are you with me? Let's all be standing for a close closing prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for your amazing grace. Because, Father, not a single one of us follow you on our own effort or power. It's even doubtful we come to you without you drawing us. There is just a mystery there that I can't understand. All I know is that when we are called, we need to come. And uh, help us to follow you this day. Help each and every heart here that's listening to this message, listen to your word, trust you and follow you and become one of your children, daughters and sons of God, and to get on the pilgrim's path. And may we walk this path together and be a light to this community.